Christ the King Story Hour presents Pinocchio. Chapter 5 The Flying Egg Night was coming on, and Pinocchio, remembering that he had eaten nothing all day, began to feel a gnawing in his stomach that very much resembled appetite. After a few minutes, his appetite had become hunger, and in no time his hunger became ravenous. Poor Pinocchio ran quickly to the fireplace where a saucepan was boiling and was going to take off the lid to see what was in it, but the saucepan was only painted on the wall. You can imagine his feelings. His nose, which was already long, became longer by at least three inches. He then began to run around the room, searching in the drawers and in every imaginable place in hopes of finding a bit of bread. If it was only a bit of dry bread, a crust, a bone left by a dog, a little moldy pudding of Indian corn, a fish bone, a cherry stone, in fact, anything that he could gnaw, but he could find nothing, nothing at all, absolutely nothing. And in the meantime, his hunger grew and grew. Poor Pinocchio had no other relief than yawning. And his yawns were so tremendous that sometimes his mouth almost reached his ears. And after he had yawned, he sputtered and felt as if he were going to faint. Then he began to cry desperately. And he said, The talking cricket was right. I did wrong to rebel against my papa and to run away from home. If my papa were here, I should not now be fainting from hunger. Oh, what a dreadful illness hunger is. Just then, he thought he saw something in the dust heap, something round and white that looked like a hen's egg. To give a spring and seize hold of it was the affair of a moment. It was indeed an egg. Pinocchio's joy was beyond description. Almost believing it must be a dream, he kept turning the egg over in his hands, feeling it and kissing it. And as he kissed it, he said, And now, how shall I cook it? Shall I make an omelet? No, it would be better to cook it in a saucer. Or would it not be more savory to fry it in the frying pan? Or shall I simply boil it? No, the quickest way of all is to cook it in a saucer. I am in such a hurry to eat it. Without loss of time, he placed an earthenware saucer on a brazier full of red-hot embers. Into the saucer, instead of oil or butter, he poured a little water. And when the water began to boil, crack, he broke the eggshell over it and let the contents drop in. But instead of the white and the yolk, a little chicken popped out, very happy and polite. Making a beautiful curtsy, it said to him, A thousand thanks, Master Pinocchio, for saving me the trouble of breaking the shell. Adieu, until we meet again. Keep well, and my best compliments to all at home. 
Thus saying, it spread its wings, darted through the open window, and flying away, was lost to sight. The poor puppet stood as if he had been bewitched, with his eyes fixed, his mouth open, and the eggshell in his hand. Recovering, however, from his first confusion, he began to cry and scream and to stamp his feet on the floor in desperation. And amid his sobs, he said, Ah, indeed, the talking cricket was right. If I had not run away from home and if my papa were here, I should not now be dying of hunger. Oh, what a dreadful illness hunger is. And as his stomach cried out more than ever, and he did not know how to quiet it, he thought he would leave the house and make an excursion in the neighborhood in hopes of finding some charitable person who would give him a piece of bread. Chapter 6 Pinocchio's Feet Burned to Cinders it was a wild and stormy night. The thunder was tremendous, and the lightning so vivid that the sky seemed on fire. Pinocchio had a great fear of thunder, but hunger was stronger than fear. He therefore closed the house door and made a rush for the village, which he reached in a hundred bounds with his tongue hanging out and panting for breath like a dog after game. But he found it all dark and deserted. The shops were closed and the windows shut, and there was not so much as a dog in the street. It seemed the land of the dead. Pinocchio, urged by desperation and hunger, took hold of the bell of a house and began to ring it with all his might, saying to himself, That will bring somebody. And so it did. A little old man appeared at a window with a nightcap on his head and called to him angrily, What do you want at such an hour? Would you be kind enough to give me a little bread? Wait there, I'll be back directly, said the little old man, thinking it was one of those rascally boys who amuse themselves at night by ringing house bells to rouse respectable people who are sleeping quietly. After half a minute, the window was again opened, and the voice of the same little old man shouted to Pinocchio, Come underneath and hold out your cap. Pinocchio pulled off his cap, but just as he held it out, an enormous basin of water was poured down on him soaking him from head to foot as if he had been a pot of dried-up geraniums. He returned home like a wet chicken, quite exhausted with fatigue and hunger, and having no longer strength to stand, he sat down and rested his damp and muddy feet on a brazier full of burning embers. And then he fell asleep, and while he slept his feet, which were wooden, took fire, and little by little they burned away and became cinders. Pinocchio continued to sleep and snore as if his feet belonged to someone else. At last, about daybreak, he awoke because someone was knocking at the door. Oh, "'Who's there?' he asked, yawning and rubbing his eyes. "'It is I,' answered a voice. And Pinocchio recognized Geppetto's voice. Chapter 7 Geppetto Gives His Own Breakfast to Pinocchio 
poor Pinocchio, whose eyes were still half shut from sleep, had not yet discovered that his feet had been burned off. The moment, therefore, that he heard his father's voice, he slipped off his stool to run and open the door. But after stumbling two or three times, he fell his whole length on the floor. And the noise he made in falling was as if a sack of wooden ladles had been thrown from a fifth story. Open the door, shouted Geppetto from the street. Dear Papa, I cannot, answered the puppet, crying and rolling around on the ground. Why can't you? Because my feet have been eaten. And who has eaten your feet? The cat, said Pinocchio, seeing the cat, which was amusing herself by making some shavings dance with her forepaws. Open the door, I tell you, repeated Geppetto. If you don't, when I get into the house... You shall have the cat from me. I cannot stand up. Believe me. Oh, poor me. Poor me. I shall have to walk on my knees for the rest of my life. Geppetto, believing that all this lamentation was only another one of the puppet's tricks, thought of a means of putting an end to it, and climbing up the wall, he got in at the window. He was very angry. And at first he did nothing but scold. But when he saw his Pinocchio lying on the ground, and really without feet, he was quite overcome. He took him in his arms and began to kiss and caress him and to say a thousand endearing things to him. And as the big tears ran down his cheeks, he said, sobbing, My little Pinocchio, how did you manage to burn your feet? I don't know, Papa but it has been such a dreadful night that I shall remember it as long as I live. It thundered and lightened, and I was very hungry. And then the talking cricket said to me, It serves you right. You've been wicked, and you deserve it. And I said to him, Take care, cricket. And he said, You're a puppet, and you have a wooden head. And I threw the hammer of the handle at him, and he died. But the fault was his, for I didn't wish to kill him. And the proof of it is that I put an earthenware saucer on a brazier of burning embers, but the chicken flew out and said, Adieu until we meet again, and many compliments to all at home. And I got still more hungry, for which reason that little old man in a nightcap opening the window said to me, Come underneath and hold out your hat, and poured a basin full of water on my head. Because asking for a little bread isn't a disgrace, is it? And I returned home at once, and because I was always very hungry, I put my feet on the brazier to dry them and when you returned and I found they were burned off and I'm always hungry but I have no longer any feet oh 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 and poor Pinocchio began to cry and to roar so loudly that he was heard five miles off Geppetto who from all this jumbled account had understood only one thing which was that the puppet was dying of hunger drew from his pocket three pears, and giving them to him, said, These three pears were intended for my breakfast, but I will give them to you willingly. Eat them, and I hope they will do you good. If you wish me to eat them, be kind enough to peel them for me. Peel them, said Geppetto, astonished. 
I should never have thought, my boy, that you were so dainty and fastidious. That is bad. In this world, we should accustom ourselves from childhood to like and to eat everything. There's no saying to what we may be brought. There are so many chances. You are no doubt right, interrupted Pinocchio. But I will never eat fruit that has not been peeled. I cannot bear rind. So good Geppetto peeled the three pears and put the rind on a corner of the table. Having eaten the first pear and two mouthfuls, Pinocchio was about to throw away the core. But Geppetto caught hold of his arm and said to him, Oh, do not throw it away. In this world, everything may be of use. But core, I am determined I will not eat shouted the puppet, turning on him like a viper. Who knows? There are so many chances, repeated Geppetto without losing his temper. And so the three cores, instead of being thrown out of the window, were placed on the corner of the table, together with the three rinds. Having eaten, or rather having devoured the three pears, Pinocchio yawned tremendously, and then said in a fretful tone, I am as hungry as ever. But my boy, I have nothing more to give you. Nothing? Really nothing? I have only the rind and the cores of the three pears. One must have patience, said Pinocchio. If there is nothing else... I will eat a rind. And he began to chew it. At first he made a wry face, but then one after another, he quickly disposed of the rinds, and after the rinds, even the cores. And when he had eaten up everything, he clapped his hands on his sides in his satisfaction and said joyfully, Ah, now I feel comfortable. You see now, observed Geppetto, that I was right when I said to you that it did not do to be too particular or too dainty in our tastes. We can never know, my dear boy, what may happen to us. There are so many chances.
Chapter 8 Geppetto Makes Pinocchio New Feet No sooner had the puppet satisfied his hunger than he began to cry and grumble because he wanted a pair of new feet. But Geppetto, to punish him for his naughtiness, allowed him to cry and to despair for half the day. Why should I make you new feet? To enable you, perhaps, to escape again from home? I promise you, said the puppet, sobbing, that in the future I will be good. All boys, replied Geppetto, when they are bent upon obtaining something, say the same thing. I promise you that I will go to school and that I will study and bring home a good report. All boys, when they are bent on obtaining something, repeat the same story. But I am not like other boys. I am better than all of them. And I always speak the truth. I promise you, Papa, that I will learn a trade and that I will be the consolation and the support of your old age. Geppetto's eyes filled with tears and his heart was sad at seeing his poor Pinocchio in such a pitiable state. He did not say another word, but taking his tools and two small pieces of well-seasoned wood, he set to work with great diligence. In less than an hour, the feet were finished. Two little feet, swift, well-made, and nimble. They might have been modeled by an artist of genius. Geppetto then said to the puppet, Shut your eyes and go to sleep. And Pinocchio shut his eyes and pretended to be asleep. And while he pretended to sleep, Geppetto, with a little glue that he had melted in an eggshell, fastened his feet in place. And it was so well done that not even a trace could be seen of where they were joined. No sooner had the puppet discovered that he had feet than he jumped down from the table on which he was lying and began to spring and to cut a thousand capers around the room as if he had gone mad with the greatness of his delight. To reward you for what you have done for me, said Pinocchio to his father, I will go to school at once. Good boy. But to go to school, I shall need some clothes. Geppetto, who was poor and who had not so much as a penny in his pocket, then made him a little outfit of flowered paper, a pair of shoes from the bark of a tree, and a cap of the crumb of bread. Pinocchio ran immediately to look at himself in a crock of water, and he was so pleased with his appearance that he said, strutting around like a peacock, I look quite like a gentleman. Yes, indeed, answered Geppetto. For bear in mind that it is not fine clothes that make the gentleman, but rather clean clothes. By the by, added the puppet, to go to school I am still in need. Indeed, I am without the best thing and the most important. And what is it? I have no spelling book. You are right, but what shall we do to get one? It is quite easy. We have to only go to the booksellers and buy it. And the money? 
I have got none. Neither have I, added the good old man very sadly. And Pinocchio, although he was a very merry boy, became sad also, because poverty, when it is real poverty, is understood by everybody, even by boys. Well, patience, exclaimed Geppetto, all at once rising to his feet and putting on his old corduroy coat all patched and darned. He ran out of the house. He returned shortly, holding in his hand a spelling book for Pinocchio. But the old coat was gone. The poor man was in his shirt sleeves, and out of doors it was snowing. And the coat, Papa? I've sold it. Why did you sell it? Because I found it too hot. Pinocchio understood this answer in an instant, and unable to restrain the impulse of his good heart, he sprang up and, throwing his arms around Geppetto's neck, began kissing him again and again. Chapter 9. Pinocchio Goes to See a Puppet Show As soon as it had stopped snowing, Pinocchio set out for school with his fine spelling book under his arm. As he went along, he began to imagine a thousand things in his little brain and to build a thousand castles in the air, one more beautiful than the other. And talking to himself, he said, Today at school, I will learn to read at once. And tomorrow... I will begin to write, and the day after tomorrow, to figure. Then, with my acquirements, I will earn a great deal of money, and with the first money I have in my pocket, I will immediately buy for my papa a beautiful new cloth coat. Well, what am I saying? Cloth, indeed. It shall be all made of gold and silver, and it shall have diamond buttons. That poor man really deserves it, for to buy me books and have me taught, he's remained in his shirt sleeves, and in this cold. It is only fathers who are capable of such sacrifices. While he was saying this with great emotion, he thought that he heard music in the distance that sounded like fifes and the beating of a big drum. Fee-fee-fee-fee-fee-fee! Boom, boom, boom. He stopped and listened. The sounds came from the end of a cross street that led to a little village on the seashore. What can that music be? What a pity that I have to go to school, or else... And he remained irresolute. It was, however, necessary to come to a decision. Should he go to school? Or should he go after the fifes? Today I will go and hear the fifes, and tomorrow I will go to school, finally decided the young rascal, shrugging his shoulders. The more he ran, the nearer came the sounds of the fifes and the beating of the big drum. At last he found himself in the middle of a square quite full of people, who were all crowded around a building made of wood and canvas and painted a thousand colors. 
What is that building? asked Pinocchio, turning to a little boy who belonged to the place. Read the placard. It is all written, and then you will know. I would read it willingly, but it so happens that today I don't know how to read. <laughs> Bravo, blockhead, then I will read it to you. The writing on that placard in those letters read as fire is the Great Puppet Theater. Has the play begun already? It is beginning now. Well, how much does it cost to go in? A dime. Pinocchio, who was in a fever of curiosity, lost all control of himself, and without any shame, he said to the little boy to whom he was talking, Would you lend me a dime until tomorrow? Well, I would lend it to you willingly, said the other, but it so happens that today I cannot give it to you. I will sell you my jacket for a dime, the puppet then said to him. What do you think that I could do with a jacket of flowered paper? If there was rain and it got wet, it would be impossible to get it off my back. Will you buy my shoes? They would be only of use to light the fire. How much will you give me for my cap? That would be a wonderful acquisition indeed. A cap of breadcrumbs. There would be a risk of the mice coming to eat it while it was on my head. Pinocchio was on pins and needles. He was on the point of making another offer, but he did not have the courage. He hesitated, felt irresolute and remorseful. At last he said, Will you give me a dime for this new spelling book? I am a boy, and I don't buy from boys, replied the little lad who had much more sense than Pinocchio had. I will buy the spelling book for a dime, called out a hawker of old clothes who had been listening to the conversation. And the book was sold there and then. And to think that poor Geppetto had remained at home, trembling with cold in his shirt sleeves, so that his son should have a spelling book. <laughs>